Hello everyone, welcome back to Chetty Ranga. This is Chetty and today is very exciting because I have my first guest, my social psychology teacher, Professor Summers. So, hi Professor Summers. Hello, thanks for having me, it's good to be here. Good, so do you wanna tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, so my name is Sam Summers. I am a professor in the psychology department at Tufts University. I've been here since the end of my 20th year at Tufts. I'm currently the chair of the department of psychology. Um, I'm a social psychologist who studies issues related to racial equity and racial bias racism, how we understand and uh, can address those issues at a, at, at a human and societal level. Uh, I teach courses like Intro Psych and Social Psychology, which you're in this semester. Awesome, that's great. Do you have a fun fact about yourself? A fun fact about myself? Um, boy, I don't know, let's think of what a fun fact about myself would be. Um, all right, ready, here, here. I don't know if it's a fun fact, but <laughs> I'm gonna give you a little bit of fact. I have, much to the amusement of my friends, um, a like decades-long shower streak. Like, every single day for like seriously for decades and it's not really that interesting but it aggravates a little bit oh that there is interesting go, right fun fact i don't have a consistent shower shower schedule that's fair but that's okay <laughs> i don't live in the dorm i have my that's so easy that's nice so first of all what is social psychology social psychology is the scientific study of how we think and feel and behave on an ordinary everyday, day-to-day -day basis. So just like mm -hmm. the science of everyday uh, life, how uh, our, our thoughts and feelings and behaviors are actually surprisingly context-dependent and shaped by the situations in which we find ourselves and just the study of really day-to-day -day interactions and thinking and communication, and we, as we talk about all the time in class, um, as applications to all sorts of interpersonal and academic and professional stuff. Right. That's what I really like about social psychology, because I feel like a lot of the things I learn in psychology and in other classes are just so distant from myself. So it's nice to relate what we're learning to myself. Yeah, others. that was what attracted me about it to begin with, was the idea that these were some of the conversations or thoughts I was having with other people or in my own head, just about why people act the way they do and why people do this and think that, and it, that there's a way to scientifically study that I thought was really cool. Awesome. Would you say, like, do you think everyone should learn about social psychology in some capacity? Totally. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, uh, I think, you know, name, name me a, a, a course of study or a, an occupation or a profession or a, a hobby or any sort of endeavor that we engage in that wouldn't benefit from people being a little bit savvier, smarter about human nature, about understanding mm -hmm. each other, about predicting the way other people or themselves are going to think and feel and behave, I think it makes us um, more insightful human beings. I think it makes us more effective at a variety of different professional but also interpersonal um, endeavors. Just, again, an appreciation for, for the true nature of human mm -hmm. nature. Do you think that what we're learning in some ways is just common sense? Just because, like, since we experience like obviously we experience our lives day to day that we're learning about how we act people a lot of people think it's just common sense and what would you say to that i think a lot of people do think that it's common sense mm -hmm. and there are some common sense notions that we talk about in class for sure yeah uh, but that in and of itself is sort of an interesting psychological phenomenon this mm -hmm. idea that we feel like we knew it all along and the idea that something that's familiar we really have a good grasp on all sorts of people are what's a good example 
all sorts of people are parents and think they know the right way to, to raise a kid and have a sense of this is better than that. All sorts of people um, think about their diet and exercise and sleep and other hygiene routines and this is the way to do it. And that. Um, but not that often do we actually test those things empirically, mm-hmm. uh, scientifically. There's a lot of time when you find out that something you've been doing, some exercise you've been engaged in, something you've been eating, um, some method of raising your kids or whatever <laughs> the question is, the research suggests actually it can have this consequence or that consequence. And then we don't like to hear that a lot of the time. Um, sure, we're studying familiar situations and, and environments, and so people feel like they have an intuition about what the right way is to behave and the best way is mm-hmm. to behave. Um, sometimes we learn about things in class that probably people could have guessed. Sometimes you learn about things in class studies and research findings that honestly, if we ask people ahead of time, they wouldn't have predicted, but then when they learn about it, they assume that they would have predicted it all along. Mm-hmm. I guess my thought would be, you know, I, I, I defy someone to take a social psychology class and come out of it without learning, I don't know, at least a half dozen things that, that change some aspect of how I think about the world. Mm-hmm. You're in the class now. <laughs> I mean, you're a focus group of one, and I know it's your podcast, so you get to ask the questions, but I'm a professor. We always ask questions. Do you feel like you've learned certain things about whether yourself, other people, or situations because of this class? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the biggest things that I learned is just, like, noticing more about myself. Like, I feel like the self esteem saving like strategies that people do are so apparent now and I think I mean I think it has helped me realize that I'm just like comparing myself to other people in this way and kind of trying to make myself feel better for not putting my best effort in for some things and that's because of the awareness I guess I'm more likely to put my best effort in and so I think that's helpful another thing that I learned in Tuesday's class was that um, similarities like even opposites attract that's not true and even though everyone thinks it's true and similarities are a greater predictor of attraction that's just one thing yeah I mean, right so it's certainly everyone can think of examples of people who come from different backgrounds or opposites who seem to, to be attracted to each other and that happens for sure but like you said far more often similarities predictor of attraction mm-hmm. and relationship satisfaction and so forth and then yeah you mentioned the self-esteem maintenance strategies that we often engage in to feel better about things and I get one of the first topics we talk about in the class is how people behave in crowds and mm-hmm. the inaction or apathy that sometimes bystanders show in emergencies mm-hmm. and on a regular basis I get students emailing me <laughs> years after class being like I was driving by uh, I showed some of them to you all in class right yeah. I was driving by this uh, late at night and, and I saw a car go off the road and I didn't think anything of it I thought I'm sure they're fine and, and I was gonna keep going and I thought about our class and I stopped and I, and, and so I do think that um, learning about these issues changes at least our thought processes and maybe changes some of our behavioral tendencies too and mm. in ways that can be, can be beneficial in the long run. Mm. Yeah, I definitely think I, like looking back at it, I, I just remember there's like one instance where there was some like litter on the ground somewhere and then I was like, oh, someone else is going to pick it up and then I walked by it and then I walked back from where I was going and then the litter was still there and I was like, oh, no one's going to get it. I'll just get it. And then... Yeah, because yeah, everyone thinks everyone else is going to get it. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why in class we have people keeping a blog, right, where they mm-hmm. can talk about things from their own life experiences, because they do think that uh, on a day-to-day basis we're talking about stuff that applies to, to our daily lives. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, <laughs> absolutely. Everyone should take it. I tell people on the first day of class, you were there, you're my witness. I tell people, this is, congrats, this is the best, most important, engaging class you're going to take in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it won't be that <laughs> for everyone necessarily, but I do think it has that potential for a lot of people. Yeah, it's definitely more engaging than some of my other classes this semester. But 
Well, you know, you preach to the choir. I didn't go to college to be a psych major. I sort of found it. It found me. Mm-hmm. This was really uh, resonated with me, and so I've been doing it since then. That's the same thing for me. Like, I didn't plan to take intro to psych first semester. I took it first semester freshman year with you, and I didn't plan to take it, but all of my other classes that yeah. I tried to get in get were it. full, yeah. and then I just liked it, so now I'm a psych major. I was going to be an English, maybe Spanish major. I didn't even take it until second semester, and it's just because people were taking it. I was like, okay, and yeah. Cool. So, do you think that your like education in social psychology or your research has made you more aware of your and others' actions? For sure. I think that when you learn about all the research that we talk about in class, and uh, you learn about obviously you know scientific studies that, that we're reading about and talking about, that you can't you can't help but have that inform some aspects of what you do. I'm not suggesting. I'm not. I'm not perfect. I do things. I fall victim to the biases we talk about in class all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being defensive about certain things and say, engaging in uh, positive illusions about myself to feel better in the, in the wake of threatening feedback and um, all the other stuff. So I'm not I'm not professing to be perfect or anything even close to that. And that's not what we talk about in class either. Uh, but yeah, for sure, I think learning about these things changes the way you think about certain situations and environments. I, I don't know if you've had that experience. But it sounds like you, you, know, you talked about at least... Mm-hmm. Uh, the example with you know, seeing litter and people not picking it up and knowing that that would probably be diffusion of responsibility <laughs> and noticing some of these self-esteem ma- ma- maintaining strategies that you and others engage in. Um, mm-hmm. It has that potential for sure. Do you think the awareness has changed your actions? Yeah, definitely. I don't... Um, you talked about diffusion of responsibility. I, I, I always now call in the, the stoplight that's not working or mm-hmm. the light bulb in the, on the street no one's gonna call. I, I, um, I know too much about diffusion of responsibility and the bystander effect, and to just sit there and hope it's going to get better. I was having a conversation with one of my kids who's a college student talking about doing her laundry. She's like, "Yeah, that washing machine just doesn't work." And I, every time I use it, I think maybe it's fixed now. It's not. I was like, "You can call it in, because no one's gonna call it in." Like, yeah, no, someone. And so you know, um, it does change the way that that I behave and act in, in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm aware of my own biases and different types. In I, I'm not perfect at eliminating that by any means, but and, and try to correct for and, and adjust for those when I can and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think if everyone were to learn about like diffusion of responsibility and other reasons for bystander effect, that I guess I don't know the world would be a better place? I think social psychology has that potential. Yeah. to make people, well, certainly more effective humans, and I mean, it cuts both ways, right? You can mm-hmm. learn about strategies of persuasion and attitude change and how sometimes people are mindless in their thought processes, and you can change their attitudes without even making that strong an argument, and that kind of stuff can be used for, for to sell things, make a lot of money, and to move people towards hatred or fascism, mm-hmm. so it's not the tools that one learns about in social psychology can be used for a variety of different strategies. Or, or uh, someone who works for a nonprofit can learn about bystander issues and come up with better ways to get people to donate to really worthwhile causes. So mm-hmm. there's nothing inherently good or bad about social psychology from a moral standpoint, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's a set of analyses and tools for understanding the world around us. Hopefully people learning about them would apply them for good for making mm-hmm. the world a better place. Um, you could learn about diffusion of responsibility and so forth and use that uh, comfort way to take advantage of people. But I yeah. do think that overall, that especially for the majority of people who have some pro-social tendency and inclination, 
learning about these issues can help us avoid some of the things like that you mentioned, like bystander apathy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like when I learn things, a lot of people could just use them to manipulate people. Sure. And I don't know, like when you learn about the foot in the door technique and the door in the face technique, and I feel like if I were to try to use that on people, I know it's like, I would just, I don't know, I could feel bad. I'm like manipulating people. <laughs> you know, some of what we're talking about, I mean, it's, it's a question of, of semantic or, or phrasing. Some of it is you could view as manipulating people. It's true. You ask someone for a small request followed by a large request. You, you, know, you get your foot in the door. They're more likely to say yes to the thing you really mm-hmm. wanted. So is that manipulating? Is that, um, uh, you know, is that strategically, like, framing your request and so forth? You, you've probably been doing this for a long time before you ever took this class when mm-hmm. you thought about, what's the best way to ask my parents if I can go on this trip or stay out yeah. late past curfew or have some money for this outing? And, uh, well, maybe uh, I, should, I should be really nice about this and help out <laughs> with it. And so, you know, is that manipulating? And so I hear you. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are social interactions are complicated. Reciprocity is something that, that we think about sometimes. So when you hold the door for someone or you're really nice for someone or you let them in in traffic um, and, and, you know, they they then wave back or you loan your your roommate clothes or a car or whatever it is for a ride and and hope that they're going to do the same in return is that manipulating so i hear you um Mm -hmm. i think that there are a set of tools that we learn about and uh, social psychology again is not it's not about moral judgment about individuals it gives you a sense of what what does work what does influence people why people do what they do it's the same when we talk about um some problematic behaviors like Mm -hmm. um you know, we talk about obedience to authority and aggression and really destructive behaviors. Our goal isn't to justify that and say, well, it's just human nature. It's okay if they do those things. The goal is to just better understand those things. Yeah. So same kind of, same kind of idea. I guess it, I don't know, I'm thinking it depends on how you're using these techniques. Like if you're using it to get someone to just do everything for you and sacrifice themselves, that would be bad, but favor here and there is okay. Sure, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Um, and also, yeah. while we're at it, um, <laughs> it, it better equips you to recognize and understand when you are being manipulated. So That's this is true. There. Good point. It's by <laughs> corporate advertisers or that person who's always yeah. trying to get you into weasel their way into do whatever. It does give you a tools, a skill set for recognizing some of that. Too. Yeah. After we learned about, I think it was in module two about all the, like the advertising techniques. Yeah. I'm so aware of them now. Yeah. Yeah, and they they can still work even when you're aware of them. But but it does it does give you you, you understand what's happening, what's being done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you like when if you see people who are falling into some of these traps that we're talking about? Do you feel like you want to tell them or just let them live their life? It depends on who they are. I mean, if you know if we're talking, if you're my student or you're my advisee, and we're having a conversation about something, and it feels like is a diffusive response. But if, if there's something that would be helpful to help us think about things in a different light, then sure. Or, mm-hmm. um, or if you're talking to family members or kids or friends trying to make a decision. Uh, you know, no one really wants to hear, well, you know what, so-and-so, <laughs> so-and-so, 2020 found in their paper on it. You know, no one really wants to hear a, s- a smart-ass who says mm-hmm. that every time. And so, and, um, but I do think there are times where, sure, where you can use what we know as social psychologists to, to offer advice or help. Much like people who are teaching your psychopathology or courses about uh, clinical psychology have some insight into certain coping strategies and reappraisals and techniques that might help themselves or other people. So 
Sure, sometimes, but but mm -hmm. I certainly don't walk up the street to the grocery store and say, you know what this is? <laughs> this is self handicapping. You want to do it? I, I don't do yeah. that. But yeah. Yeah, I think I have been like, I've noticed me pointing things out sure. like to my parents sometimes. Like I think my mom was like gonna do something, but then she didn't for some reason. I was like, well, you know what this is. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I'm not gonna. What did she say? Incriminate she, my mom. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart and with a generosity of spirit, and if you're receptive to people sharing their opinions about what you're doing, that seems like one thing. If you're, again, just the one who's always pointing out, ah, you're doing this, ah, you're doing that, that's Yeah, it, it would be annoying. Yeah. Um, like, okay, so, you're not just a teacher, you're also a researcher. True. <laughs> so... Like regarding some of the studies you've conducted, do you how do you see people using that knowledge for positive change? Some of the research I do looks at the legal system, the United States legal system, and mm. looks at racial biases in the legal system. So racial biases among juries as they make decisions, uh, among attorneys during jury selection, how race influences eyewitness memory, for example, which is a different kind mm -hmm. of bias. So that's a very concrete example because there are times where, for, for instance, I, I've testified as an expert witness on some of those issues in trials. So you can use the, the body of knowledge of research that you and others in the field have put together, compiled, to offer concrete suggestions to a jury or to a judge about a particular set of issues in, in a pretrial hearing and so forth. So that's a very sort of concrete um, example. I mean, in general, I think those of us who study, who do research, in the behavioral sciences, in social psychology, or other fields. Um, the hope that our work influences other psychologists and is interesting to students and so forth, but mm -hmm. has the potential to be used by people, organizations, institutions, and so forth. So that, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why we publish it in, in that right. way. And for me, some of the psychology and law research is, uh, provides the most, um, most direct, the clearest example of people, of, of having applications for the way that mm. Do you think that like learning about our biases and that we have them because everyone has them will lessen them or just make them more aware? I think it has the potential to lessen them. I think uh -huh. that, that there are all sorts of things that we do as human beings and how we see the world that make us, um, that are ripe for, with the potential for bias, that make mm -hmm. us more likely to exhibit a variety of bi both biases. Um, that in and of itself doesn't make us bad people. That makes us humans. Right. Um, and I think we have the ability to correct for those predispositions and tendencies if we know about them and we think about them and we try to work through them. We're not always successful. We have that potential. But I think if we're the type of person who thinks, no, 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 I don't even see color. No, 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 I treat everyone the same regardless of their gender. No, 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 I don't. It just, I, what's on the inside that matters. And, mm. and if that sort of steadfast denial um, and, and sometimes really genuinely, earnestly held belief that someone is completely free from bias, those are the people I worry about yeah. the most. Because, cause, you know, we're all biased, and we all have that cognitive architecture of how we see the world, and we all have that potential for bias, and those people who are insistent that they don't are the ones that I think I'm most concerned about, as, mm -hmm. as well as the people who just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm biased, and here's why, and, and I'm proud of that. I mean, you worry mm -hmm. about those people, too, in a different kind of way. But at some level, it's hard to reach those folks. But mm -hmm. um, So I think... Only good things come from us studying and talking about bias. I know that's there are sections of the world, there are portions, quarters in the world today where that's not the prevailing mentality, and in fact, where there's legislation introduced to prevent us from talking about yeah. systemic bias and identity and so forth. Um, that that's a losing battle. That in the long run, 
history that's that battle is not going to be won uh, you know the it's clear that that there is research on these issues that we do have to confront and address these issues in our day-to-day life and um, sweeping it under the rug or pretending it's not there doesn't help anything mm-hmm. I, I agree a lot of I think some people try to just like to try to not I guess conquer the idea that they have biases they try to say that they don't even see differences which I think is really sad because differences are what makes us all beautiful and to not even acknowledge that we have differences or our bias is just really sad. Yeah, I mean, it's wrong, first and foremost, because we do notice these things. It's disingenuous, because I think most people recognize at the end of the day, they really do notice these things. But yeah, it is also sad. There's, there's, the differences among us are, as the similarities are, are among the most interesting aspects of being a human being. So mm-hmm. um, it is, some people find it threatening, and some people find that any, any challenge to what they know and the status quo is being a threat, and, and that is a constant obstacle I think we have to work with in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like equality does not mean everyone is the same. Because like everyone should be treated with equal opportunity, but that doesn't mean that we all have to be the exact same person. Right, and um, more, you know, equality and more access and more support for you does not inherently have to mean less of it for me. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes unfortunate how people are viewing it. Yeah, I remember I think the first time I learned like that mindset was in grade six and I think our class was having a problem with people not thinking other people having extra time for like learning accommodations was fair and then our teacher made the example it was just like well some people need glasses but that doesn't mean that like everyone everyone doesn't need glasses and if you had glasses on someone it just like wouldn't do anything or make it worse so it's just like that's a different opinion that helped me it's a good analogy Mm -hmm. um do you think like how do you think people should learn about social psychology well the best way one can learn about social psychology is to sort of read the 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 research the writing that people in the field are actually doing and one of the easiest ways to do that is to take social psychology (laughs) class right because then it's all there for you in a syllabus in readings or in a textbook um there are ways if people are interested in social psychologists to read some of the you know, so there are a lot of, of social psychologists now who have really interesting books, general mm. audience books that people can look into. Some of the psychologists we've talked about in class, uh, like Jennifer Eberhardt, we read one of her articles, but she has a, a book for the general audience that's um, mm. out there. It's a good one. Keith Payne is one of those people we did a um, Zoom with the social psychologist section yeah. with. He's got a really interesting uh, book, and I'm only, it's like two people, there's there's dozens and dozens, but there are, so there are a lot of really interesting books out there, people are interested, um, and uh, you know, I think that those are, those are some obvious ways, if you're a college student, to take a social psych course, which is, it's mm-hmm. easy, you know, you, there's a reason why old people, middle-aged people like me, uh, you know, get so excited about TED Talks and other, because uh, you know, they don't get to go, most adults don't get to go hear interesting people talk about interesting things like that, lectures, and, and like learn about new research, and you have to really seek it out. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, it's easy, it's there, you sign up for these classes, and it's, at some level, I feel like we don't know what we got till it's gone in that sense, because it's like, I get yeah. it, it's like, oh, a semester, four or five classes, if I have to go to one more lecture, um, but, you know, there's a good opportunity for people who are still in, in college to take that kind of, those kind of courses, I would, I would recommend anyone to do it. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and yeah, I think all the people who I know that aren't in college or don't have the opportunity to take a course, I 
We'll recommend that they read some social psychology books. So social psych is, is some good stuff to read, yes. And so mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of the authors we talked about in class have written really interesting books. Um, I wrote a book about 10 years ago now that in some respects is sort of like our class in a book. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of good stuff out there for people. Amazing. Do you, when people, when you, when people like, let's say they read the book, what should their next steps be? If they're interested in learning more about social psychology, you mean? Or, yeah, well, yes, and just in life with their newfound knowledge. Well, I mean, everyone's got different goals in life, and so you got to think about what your goals are and how this knowledge will be compatible with their, with that. And, and um, for some people, maybe they want to be reading up on people who study these kinds of issues with regard to business world and consumer psychology and so forth, because that's what they do. Or other people are. Teachers are working in the classroom, and there's a lot of really interesting research on education. So it depends on, on what your, your goals are. Actually, we said books. There's, there are a fair number of good podcasts out there, too, mm -hmm. where even if it's not a social psychologist, social psychologists do the podcast. Um, there are, are ones that, that uh, talk a lot about psychological research. Like Hidden Brain is one that, that Shankar Vedantam, um, who, who's at NPR, has a podcast and often interviews a variety of different social, uh, psychologists across the board. Mm. And so... Uh, I think just keeping an eye out for opportunities to, to keep learning about what research tells us and how it can combine with people's own in-person like life experiences and, and, and the things that they've come to learn on their own. I think that that makes for a good, good education to put that all together. So true. Okay. Do you have any other thoughts? Any other thoughts? <laughs> um, if you're a college student out there, take a social psychology class. It doesn't matter what your major is. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, pre-med, we have people, one of the best parts about this class, this semester, every semester, we have people in the class who are psych majors or aspiring psych majors, sure. Um, people who maybe are gonna go on and become psychology researchers or, or clinical psychologists, that's great. But we also have pre-med students who are gonna become physicians or other health professionals. We also have um, people who are gonna go off to law school and do mm -hmm. something in a legal domain. People who are going to be entrepreneurs or business people of other sorts. People who are going to be educators um, and, and and go into to teaching. We have engineers in the class who this is like their first ever psychology class. Uh, we have IR majors who are interested in yes human interaction, but at a bigger picture, like global, macro, international um, level. I think there's something in the class for all those folks. I think that that all physicians should take a class. All health professionals should take a class in social psychology. I think anyone who's going to work in education should have, and probably does, take some sort of course in psychology. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, those are my words of wisdom. I think you can't go wrong by taking uh, a psych class or a good social psych class. And it, uh, there will be something in it that you will be able to, to draw upon um, in your professional life, but also in your interpersonal life. Yeah. That's my pitch. Oh, those are words of wisdom. <laughs> well, thank you very, very much for being interviewed by me. Sure, thank you very much for interviewing me. Flattered, I will always be the first guest on the podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's yes. great. Okay, goodbye. Take care.